This is Big Man Tyrone, and you're about to watch the MTG Cabal cast with your hosts, Wode, Thirsty, and Reptar. Sub to us on all your podcast networks at MTG Cabal cast and YouTube. Uh, welcome to the newest episode of the Cabal cast, guys. This week, we're getting into something a little bit more esoteric, more abstract, something that kind of influences finance and at large has a lot more to do with the design philosophy of magic and a little bit to do with long-term financial viability of certain things. Mm -hmm. And that's something I like to call the Simpsons syndrome. Way back in the day, the Simpsons was the most influential piece of pop culture in the world. If you were on the Simpsons, you made it. Now we've gotten to the point where the Simpsons has been around for so long, it's starting to borrow from other IPs, other pieces of pop culture to continue to stay relevant. How that relates to magic is in set design. So one of the prime examples that we'll start out with is Innistrad. Yes. Now, Innistrad, keep in mind, was released in about 2011. And Mero has said that magic sets are designed in a two to three year time frame. The reason that's relevant is because in about 2008, we hit the Twilight craze in True Blood. So we had this huge surge of interest in pop culture with vampires and werewolves and all kinds of stuff like that that influenced them to go into this realm. And there's other examples that I'm sure you can think of, which you got off the top of your head. Uh, so the one I liked, uh, the first one that I thought about was actually hearkening back to the early days of magic in Arabian Nights where that set is pulled almost 100% from the book Arabian Nights. The reason there are so many named places and so many unique characters that have names that you are familiar with is because Arabian Nights was just ripped straight. Yep. The uh, Aladdin, Shahrazad, uh, Magnetic Mountain, these are all from the book Arabian Nights. And the set, unlike Arabian Days, more often than not, was not hotter than hot. <laughs> Back then, no. Now, it's hotter than the sun. Yes, it in is. In a lot of good ways. Yeah. Uh, that, that's the one uh, that first comes to mind because it's uh, it's been the easiest call out for... You don't even have to be like a student of literature, really. Like You've heard a lot of these tales in passing, so a lot of these things just kind of yeah. click. Even historically, the Library of Alexandria matters. You know? Yeah. Um, the pyramids matter. Yep. Uh, uh, City in a Bottle, King Solomon, things like that. They're, they're all yeah. relevant. People have heard them. And like a lot of things are also referenced biblically, too. So it kind of makes sense. And cross-religion. So it does. It created this really interesting space for magic where they just started a broad appeal to a lot of people by just taking what was what is a literary classic and designing a set, I guess, top down. Yeah. Because a lot of, it, a lot of things were already set up and what they had to do. And yeah, and it's out. not just sets. It can be longer term. Oh, yeah. So in 2008, I think Iron Man was released. And then in like 2011 was when we got the firm, hey, we're making this Marvel Cinematic Universe. It's going to be great. There's going to be so many movies in it. It's going to be the best cinematic universe you've ever heard. Mm -hmm. And the Avengers took off. And then a few years later, the Gatewatch was formed. Cons of Tarkir released about two to three years after that. Yes. Now, the key point with both of these is that 
when you see something like Twilight, and you know it's an ongoing saga that's going to be relevant in pop culture, when you see something like the Marvel Cinematic Universe, and you know it's going to be relevant for years, those are the type of things that a company like Hasbro will hop on. Yes. Not just because Hasbro has the licensing for the toys, but because it's something that's longer term and can have more staying power, mm -hmm. as opposed to something like, you know, Game of Thrones was three to four years, and that was all it was going to be. That's the entire design of a set. So by the time they would release a Game of Thrones set, it, it would stop being relevant. Yes. Whereas now, you know, Kamigawa Cyberpunk Shadowrun set is coming out, supposedly. Yeah. Uh, this year we have a Viking set. We're going back into, I hope not going back to, you know, hopefully we get, uh, you know, our Norse mythology there, which people have been climbing for, climbing for, for a while. It's not quite, is it Chandelar? It's yeah. Not, it's not that plane which they've expressed they were going to go to uh, eventually, but they did say, you know, a quote unquote Viking plane was on the way. And, you know, you know here we are headed to Stormheim. Yeah. And we can expect to see much like with Arabian Nights, a callback to some very specific things. And it's going to be a very top down level design, whether we get a ton of Norse mythology, you know, with, uh, Odin, Thor, Freya, Loki, Fenrir, Fenris, Jormungdar, the world tree, Yggdrasil, Ratatask, like all that stuff. Don't know, but they have the ability to like with Arabian Nights, because they're picking this huge IP to pull from if they want. Yeah, I want a rainbow bridge. I'm just putting that there. That would be great. Uh, Another planar portal with uh, a yeah. Heimdallar to send us through. That would be great. Yeah. And uh, then, so not only in pop culture, you also have other games that are influencing things. So Hearthstone released League of Explorers. Something I think like it that. was. Yeah. Uh, was one of their first expansion sets, and a few years later, we had Ixalan. Mm-hmm. At which point we were hearkening back to something that was widely considered one of the most popular sets ever released in Hearthstone at the time. And so this is when you start to see this kind of pop culture influence on things. Mm -hmm. So I you like, may be asking, oh, go ahead. I, was gonna say, I like Ixalan uh, not just for the, the Hearthstone callback, but Jurassic World was released in 2015, about three years before Ixalan drops. So it's not like you have all this pressure for dinosaurs, but now they're in the zeitgeist again with Jurassic World, completely rebooting the Jurassic Park franchise, and the movie did well. So yeah. it makes sense that you can kind of put this all together and make, finally, dinosaurs a thing in magic. So you might be wondering, why is this relevant? How do we pay attention to this? Mm. Well, as with most things on the speculation side, it's a lot more art than science. Mm-hmm. Uh, one of the first things to look at, you know, for me, when I'm looking at Neon Kamigawa, Lords of Internet, uh, well, if we're going to stay in magic, what's something we can't really have? Robots. We can have everything else, but we can't have robots. But magic has constructs. So if Cyberpunk 2077 and the Cyberpunk revival wave that's coming is going to influence... Mm -hmm. Kamigawa ghost in the shell, then constructs might be something to look at financially. So just thinking about it in the abstract, this is something that you can be aware of where it may pay off, it may not. And I think 
for me, it's been something that is a lot more long term mm -hmm. and it's a lot more low investment, go deep for me rather than go wide. Yeah. Uh, you know, at, at least for me personally, I know you would express that it wasn't necessarily something you were always super in tune with or paying attention to, but that it was still something that, you know, obviously has an influence on the financial aspect of magic. Oh, definitely. Uh, looking at the set, I'm going to bring up some of the images that were in the original uh, Watsi survey, and they look fairly, you know, video game-esque. These could harken back to uh, eras in Final Fantasy. This could harken to something like Global Agenda produced by Hi-Rez, where characters looked very angular like this. Um, and it can basically pull the same kind of weight that the Final Fantasy card game does by appealing to people who like JRPG style. The Final Fantasy card game, I've never heard anybody want to play that, but they'll collect it. People love art. it, though. Yeah. Oh, yeah. The, the art and the card stock is great. Yeah. And so this is one of, the, this is one of those things. It's just a, a low investment, and if the art is great and it harkens back to IPs that people enjoy or play similar, similarly to something like a game from their childhood this is definitely something that, that people are going to look at for long term and sealed might even be more of a place to to be than than singles in the long yeah. run and i i think that's you know looking at that so if we do you know obviously it's just a leak at this point we may not actually go back to legends of future kamigawa but when you mentioned sealed, what's some stuff that could be relevant? One for Kamigawa, well, obviously, Kamigawa, yep. and two, what could be relevant for Cyberpunk? Well, we haven't had a whole lot of like futuristic type stuff, no. but you can look at creature types. So, in your general Cyberpunk setting, you're going to have humans, you're going to have trolls, goblins, robots, or Constance. constructs. And stuff like that. So if, if you're just thinking about it when you hear these things, you can start brainstorming on what you may want to spec on. And that allows you to get very far ahead of the game mm -hmm. in terms of when speculators start to move in on this stuff. We've all seen the, you know, when Ixalan got spoiled, Ramirez de Pietro spiked because it was a legendary pirate. Great. Sure, yeah. If you'd been paying attention, you may have gotten in on that ahead of time. And you may have known, well, if we're going to go pirates, eh, sure, why not? why not? And gotten in much sooner. Mm -hmm. uh, the day they announced it was a pirate theme, I bought a bunch of Ramirez Di Pietro for two bucks. And within a month, Card Kingdom was paying five bucks on them. And I just shipped them all off because I didn't want to deal with oh, yeah. it. Get up. Yeah. But this is one of those areas of speculation that is a lot more into the weeds than I think a lot of people tend to get oh, yeah. which means it's a really good opportunity for you to get some gains oh absolutely you have to, to think fairly critically on this too you know where are we going what is going to be relevant you know off the top of my head looking at uh Storheim, stormheim and strixhaven if we're going back to a norse set it's most likely going to have some kind of equipment or vehicle based theme and we'll get there yep. a little bit in a little bit when they start describing the set after commander legends and you can start 
you know, picking and choosing one, what you want to look at in the in that regard. We're probably not going to get Loxon on Warhammer back in that set, but you know what? That's probably not a bad card to invest in if there's going to be a lot of equi uh, equipment-based sub-themes in that set. Similar to uh, uh, Strixhaven, I joke about this all the time, like, Sphinx Bone Wand is a great EDH card. It's basically... I've For years, I've said it's my little Harry Potter wand because it just... Every time you cast a spell, it just keeps ticking up damage. Yeah. It, could that card come back? Absolutely. Could it be something to pick up ahead of time if we know we do get, like, the, the wizard spell slinging theme? Again, absolutely. And then that, that also partners with Aetherflux, Reservoir, and uh, Sentinel Tower, or whatever it is, I think, out of bot Battle Bond, the better Sphinx's Bone one. It's kind of yeah. stuff like that. You need to pay attention to the sub-themes that are going to go on, and then you can try and uh, move in and, and make your way accordingly. Uh, Ixalan's a great thing to point out, because throughout Magic, we have had pirates, but none have been incredibly relevant. Mercadia was the first time we really got like an actual pirate theme to a set with the uh, uh, Rishadans because they're just natively a, a market-based economy and peoples. So yeah. you have a, you had a bunch of all those pirates and setting aside the the stupid uh, sea stompy thing, there wasn't a lot to be made in Mercadian Mass because those those pirates weren't great none of them were really that worthwhile so you go back further and you look into you know legends things that are just completely out of print and, and low pop to begin with and that's why that particular pirate works out there's really no dinosaur subtype prior to ixalan so there's nothing to spec on there's never been a dinosaur lord unless you want to count grimlock who i think might have come later yeah like you had death mist raptor which is obviously a dinosaur and like i think one more obvious dinosaur that was a beast but none of them really cared for, for dinosaurs. There's no synergies ahead of time. So it's kind of whatever. Like, it's really about the, the, the sub-themes that you see. If there's if there's a hint of a ninja sub-theme, and if we go back to Kamigawa, you can expect, like, uh, not Yurian, that's the companion, Yuriko, and, like, Ninja the Deep Hours, and all this other stuff with ninjutsu to just pop. Because they're yeah. ninjas, and that's what ninjas do. They just flip out and kill shit. And similar to, you know, knowing we're going to return to return to Innistrad. Yes. I think this is only our second return to, re yeah, return to return to Innistrad. Uh, well, we know it's vampires and werewolves, mm -hmm. so some of those lords may see a pop. Yeah. They may also be reprinted. So that's one of the things that you have to assess, like, well, how likely is Vampire Nocturnus to be reprinted here? Well, you know what can't be reprinted is Baron Sanger. Yes. There's an option, and last I checked, he was still fairly affordable and reserve list. Yes. And it's something that, you know, you don't necessarily have to think out as far as a potential leak or spoiler. It may be something that when Wizards does this and they say, here's the next year, cool, what what am I looking at? Start what, looking what ahead for, th uh, for thematic cards, things to just yeah. keep your eyes on. You don't need to buy in immediately. You don't need to just track movement on them. You know, like I said before, this is the part where you can start critically thinking, okay, if we're going to D&D &D land and the next year is going to be very party-focused on clerics, wizards, rogues, and whatever yep. the third one is, do, does it matter if I pay attention to creature types or does it matter if I pay attention to like equipment or is it something spell-based? There's a lot that's going to happen between now and then, but you need to start weeding down what, you want to, what you're caring about. Yeah. You know, don't don't get too far into this stuff. And that's it's 
it's easy to jump down the rabbit hole and get lost. So just, mm-hmm. you know, try try to rein it in or mm-hmm. don't, yeah, I guess, whatever. if you don't want to. But, you know, and I, I think that it's also nice when Wizards kind of lines it up like this. It makes it a little bit easier because we know thematically, you know, we're dealing with rogues, clerics, warriors. We're dealing with wizards because Strixhaven is a wizard academy. Mm-hmm. Uh, we know we're dealing with vampires and werewolves. So this is an interesting time to kind of like okay, well, let's look back and see what the big pop culture influences were a few years ago yeah. and try to see how they impact this. Or try to see, you know, two to three years ago was when D&D was making all the rounds with podcasts and Dan Harmon and everyone else that was doing, like, making nerd culture mainstream. So now, two to three years later, we have a D&D set in Magic the Gathering to try to get that audience that got into D&D to maybe experiment a little bit with magic to see if they can get new blood into it because I don't know if a pro tour is even going to happen anytime yeah. in the future. This game may go 100% casual. Who knows? Well, yeah, and it, it, that's, that's also good for an LGS that has a D&D community because you can point them to the magic D&D stuff and then that's the, the middle of your Venn diagram and then move them into the magic product as a whole when that set comes out. So it works for an LGS and it also helps bring in an older crowd that used to play D&D and they might have played magic. Maybe it'll bring them back and reinvigorate as well. It's gonna That one in particular is going to be a really interesting set to pay attention to. Like the all the articles that come out about it anything they write about the set any like on my drive to works or what morrow does on his commute about that set yeah. in particular like all of this stuff is going to be great anything that comes straight from watsi is where you're going to want what you're going to want to pay attention to um something that it's hard to fi- probably a little harder to figure out is what to cash out on based on what we're seeing so i completely forgot that we had spoiled in is it commander legends the fact that we're going yeah. to get the other five i don't know what you want to call them commander uh dual lands like etb untapped if you have more than x number of opponent lands and the blue red one is going to be named training center well if your wizards are going to go to a training center does that mean you're also going to have a training grounds in that set yeah is that a car that you actually should be looking to get out of before spoiler season gets hot and heavy? And the same could be said for anything uh, up and coming. That's just like certain cards have just been, you know, ticking away. Do we get another Cavernor Souls uh, reprint or um, the Ixalan Uncommon Land that's played alongside it in Humans uh, that I can't remember off the top of my head? Uh... That one that makes 5C for any creature because they made a, t- a worse version. In, yeah, uh, Zendikar. It's Why not, can't I remember? It's not Uncharted territory. Hmm? Yeah, I I can't remember. Wrong. I, whatever I said was wrong. I know that for a fact. But they made a worse version of it. Unclaimed yeah. territory, something like that. It's a five C creature land. All it does is, is cast creatures. That's it. And uh, not ancient ziggurat, but the the one that was in the sliver command yeah. deck. Like uh, are they're they're. they're there are a bunch of yeah, Creature Matters lands out there. They're in the Human yeah. Stack and Modern and Legacy. I don't know the names of them. It's going to take me a while to find them. I didn't think this far in advance. Those could be in the... D- the we could be looking at those in the D&D set because they help you cast yeah. your party. The, the one we just got is absolute garbage compared to what we got at Ixalan two years ago. And like two years before that in Avacyn Restored. There's no way yeah. that we, w- we could not get another one. But that could be something you get out of because if they're going to reprint any of them into standard, it's just going to crater the value of them. So something to pay attention to in the announcements if they really center things around the party 
you know, keep an eye on it. They, the, if, if, yeah. Ditch as necessary. Put it yeah. that way. But it's it's something interesting to think about in regards to this because they pull from all over the place. And looking years out is difficult because sometimes it just doesn't happen naturally. There are a lot of themes that we could have expected thus far that kind of fit into like nerd culture or whatever you want to call it that just aren't good enough to make it into magic even as this fleshed out idea like we've talked about ninjas and pirates and robots so to speak and like that the the holy trinity if you do want to call it that did exist in magic for a very long time but they've never existed side by side for that kind of goofiness yeah but it, it it has come to be they've pulled from other movie properties that have made infinite money over the years but we've never seen a set dedicated to it we talked about like possible predictions and we talked about Arthurian legend and how it can be fleshed out if they wanted to probably better for another throne set where's Avatar that's made infinite money they're in the process of making the first of the next Ask five James Cameron I guess yeah. I have no idea <laughs> they're in the process of making the next five to believe that there's zero overlap between people that enjoy that and magic is ridiculous and even stealing a little bit from Avatar you know you can still infuse that into into sets and you could say oh like yeah. the cores from zendikar kind of fit the avatar bill the navi they just kind of live off the land and they just like float around and ride shit yeah sure but you could steal a little more yeah where is it don't know you know and that's <laughs> that's where the art plays into it is trying to figure out what's going to be yeah. relevant uh because you know look it, a couple of years ago if you'd told me that we were going to have a cyberpunk revival and pop culture i mean there was an altered carbon we just knew cyberpunk 2077 was coming mm -hmm. but without the blade runner sequel without altered carbon without stuff like that we may have never had this yeah so it's just something that you know looking at what you've got that's coming up all right well if we do go the you know cyberpunk route Maybe there's some stuff I can pick up to fill out my $2 card on TCG Player. Mm -hmm. Maybe there's a dollar or two card I can pick up that'll fill out a trade or something. Oh, yeah, absolutely. And just trying to even out stuff like that is probably the way you're going to get most of your value out of this, rather than being an MTG slumlord such as myself and mass buying, like, I don't know, the mere galvanizer because maybe we get a bunch of constructs that combo. That, if that's your cup of tea, do it. I mean, that's what I'm doing. Yeah. But it's Michael and Golem the better choice. Yeah, much. Yeah, yeah. Too it, good. Oh, Not for me. Yeah, sure. Yeah, too rich for your blood. <laughs> yeah. No, it, it and it, it's definitely interesting to to see uh, where things go and work on the prediction and and how what's in the cultural zeitgeist fits into some of this stuff, especially from years ago. With their uh, and how they plan out their their sets, their design, and their 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 future testing. None of this matters to a vendor. No. At all. But there's definitely an avenue you can take when it comes to financing and, and speculation as we move closer towards the set. And like I said, you keep getting those announcements, and you can actually see what's going on within its set itself. Yeah. So, if I was a betting man, and we do go back to Kamigawa Neon Knights or whatever the heck that's called. I Kamigawa would... 2 Cyberpunk Boogaloo. Yes. That's the official name you heard of here first. I think Neon Knights is a level in Turtles in Time. That, that's neither here nor there. 
yeah. which is it's like a great game. It is like the cyberpunk <laughs> level to be to be fair. Yeah, uh, I would expect that set to be just huge callbacks to like every JRPG that's ever been huge in the U.S. Yeah. So that's like all, across all Final Fantasy properties, the Chrono properties, uh, Earthbound, Mother, whatever you want to call it, Secret of Mana, that kind of stuff. And it's if it is that you know the way we go, and they step back from what they did with the original Kamigawa was just all this uh, like great Japanese lore a lot of names and a lot of places and they just step back to something a little more generic and a little more powerful sorry a little less yeah a little more generic and a little more powerful compared to the original kamigawa i think please that, yeah the set is going to be uh, easier to finance on uh, it's going to be easier to kind of pick and choose what you're looking at when it comes to older stuff you know if they make a cyberpunk set and they don't put all the interesting vehicles in it you can probably look at some of those vehicles as being like thematically relevant to play and like fit and fit the theme overall fleet wheel cruiser Hold yeah on. but it is definitely something to do in the interim especially while we're kind of like in a financial wall here with no real events happening and unless you read store play getting suspended again or you're like, so. like reading fuzzy spoilers in german for commander legends if that's your bag by all means go for it go for it yeah otherwise straight into picks and i'm going first so, All right, go for it. Uh, I'm, I'm making a handbrake 180, and I'm going with a Pioneer card this week. And I'm going with uh, Niv-Mizzet Reborn. So this card finally finished its downfall. It looks like it's in a plateau, so we're in a, in a good spot to buy. The buy price overall on CK isn't anything to write home about. Uh, it did increase by about $0.30 cents from last week when I picked it to now, but they are buying fewer copies. The foil is holding strong on Biolist, and that might be where I look compared to uh, the regular uh, set version. And I like this card because if Pioneer is making a comeback, this is one of the premier combo decks in the format. According to MTG Meta, it is in, in the top five, it is number five. Outside of that, uh, Lotus Field is several spots down in the meta. And this is a combo deck to me that looks and feels like Birthing Pod, where every turn you have a choice about what you want to do, and there's so much act, so much action, so much play, and so much customization to this deck. It's going to be very difficult to uh, interact with this deck as a player in the format, unless you're just going to like beat it super quick with like mono black aggro and tear its hand apart. And from uh, a, a Watsy perspective, it's going to be very difficult to deal with this deck uh, with any kind of banning because it uses so much of the buffalo yeah this has to be a five card deck through and through at short plays uro and if you ban that card that's perfectly fine because it doesn't rely on it it adds a little bit of velocity yeah. but it's not a cornerstone to the deck this thing plays like uh nicol Bolas, the ravager it's playing omnath locus of creation now tolsimir friend of wolves like i have this the list up you can see sylvan character and then the list of spells is just like the greatest hits in the format, including four Bring to Light, which really let this thing go. Let it, let's it rip. This is also a deck in Modern. Uh, not as popular, but it is definitely coming up. It has the ability to protect itself there uh, poorly with Force of Negation, so it can interact on its opponent's turn, but not on the combo turn. Combo turn, in quotes. But it can do a little more powerful uh, things, because you have like Voice of Resurgence, which is super good to protect yourself early on, and, and can work with some of the sacrifice effects that you can play in that format for value. And with the uptick in, uh, like I said, Pioneer, and the ability for this card to have play in two formats, as well as a card in the quote-unquote 99 
in EDH. This makes this to me a a multi-format kind of staple right now, and yeah. I like that. The timeline I have for this, I really think it's going to be six months at a minimum. And if you can buy in uh, at four, maybe around five, that's probably when you're going to really be able to get out at at value. If you get in any higher than that, you have to wait for paper to return. And, and I know that sucks, and I can't give you a timeline on that. Um, like I, I bought a bunch yeah. of these last week, and I've resolved myself to letting them go when paper comes back, because I'm greedy and I didn't buy a whole lot. So I want to to double or, or triple up on my like two dollar investment. <laughs> nice. Whatever, I'll slow more it. Um, if you, that'll go eventually. If you're fine tucking money away in foils, I would actually suggest the foils for this. They are kind of running out, and they're about fifteen sixteen dollars right now. So picking up, you know, a couple probably not the worst idea. This is a four of in both form, three or four of in both uh, formats. So, and you know, it always has a home. You're not stretching it on a one of. And the longer we play this game, the more five color might become something in EDH. So there's always the possibility that it either takes over the commander slot or it becomes more popular in the ninety nine. As yeah. uh, as a card, it's like. The commanders are kind of weird. I'll bring it up because it's worthwhile. They're all over the place. Everything from yeah. uh, Sisse to Progenitus. So what is this card doing? Everything. You have to build... It puts some very serious constraints on your deck in EDH as the general, but in the 99, it's kind of passable because you can whiff uh, a little bit and you'll yeah. still get your value and you're okay with it. But uh, this is something that i like now i like for the next couple of months i think the bot the time to buy in is right now because like i said it's it's bottomed out and plateauing and i don't see this staying this cheap for too much longer also when i was looking around to buy this last week japan is entirely sold out of english copies they yeah. had uh in, like infinite in japanese but no english so they've already been uh arbitraged out of japan I, I didn't check mkm because that mail is heinously slow especially now it's yeah not worth arbitraging honestly yeah, i didn't want to buy quantity pay customs to ensure that it made it to me because i have lost cards to customs in the past couple of years and i'll leave that to other people who either can route it a little differently or maybe make a trip over and get it themselves but either way i think this, this is the card for me right now should be I agree. Uh, I, I think it's a really solid pick as well, especially when you said touching on the foils. Uh, not only do you get the constructed playability, but obviously if you're going to foil one card in your deck, it's going to be your commander. So uh, mine is kind of in a similar boat. It was up for a little bit and then fell and has plateaued in a valley, and that would be Divine Visitation from Return to Return to Ravnica Part 2, Electric Boogaloo. And that is right now sitting at $8 TCG low, which according to MTG stocks, that's been it for about a month now. Yeah. This is a card similar to Sigil of the Empty Throne that's just a big, dumb, white EDH card that makes angels. Mm -hmm. You know what people love? Big, Boy. dumb, white EDH cards that make angels. Love them. And... At a price of $8, when as recently as June this year, it was hitting like 15 to 20 I think that's perfectly reasonable, especially because we're still sitting at a market right now of about 13 
which means there's not a lot of people moving into this card right now. So no. there's a good opportunity to get in. I will say this is strictly EDH. Probably never going to see play in anything except maybe Enchantress and Legacy, okay. if that ever becomes a thing again. Uh, just because it makes your clock a little bit faster, but it's kind of win more in that deck. Oh my god, but, this works so well with Bearscape if you want to get on the means from years ago. Right? Turn your bears into angels. Yeah. And uh, I, I think timeline-wise, you're probably looking at about... I'd say it's going to hold through the holidays. Really? Probably about six to ten months. And that depends on largely if we get GPs back. And the reason I say that is because a lot of the big financial movement on some of these EDH cards mm -hmm. is when they get mass bought out on like TCG or MKM or Hararuya, and it's just like two or three people doing it, yep. it's vendors. And it's vendors who are sourcing it differently. Like you said, yeah. they'll message one of the guys at Galactus and just be like, yo, can, you know, I'm going to have these shipped to you. Can you bring them to me at the next GP you're at? And they just stock their booth with them. Mm -hmm. And without that arbitrage happening right now, it's pretty much all static in terms of movement. You don't have someone that's buying quantities of unbound flourishing to move to a GP and sell there. So right now, you've got them available. You can get foils of Divine Visitation for the market price of non-foils on MKM. Again, not that you'd really want to deal with that arbitrage because it's a mess, but it is an opportunity there. Yeah. Additionally, when you look at Hararuya, for example, uh, they are sold out of foils, but they do have English available for about the same price as what they are in the States. So it's just a really good opportunity to get on, on something that has good mid to long-term EDH value. And once vendors start happening again because this is a card you would regularly see on a board for 10 to 12 bucks when 14 was low mm -hmm. and knowing that that's one of your venues getting in now for the potential that that happens later is where i'd want to be at with this that said you're not exactly hurt on liquidity because edh is still happening uh it's just that based on lack of price movement lack of quantity movement because it's been fluctuating with about a five to ten percent weekly shift one way or the other uh you don't have an absurd amount of liquidity so this is one of those things that for me it's i'm gonna buy it i'm gonna stash it in a box under the bed and a box of specs and then when gps hit i'm gonna go through i'm gonna grab the team bag of them look up the price see that it's worth more money and sell it to a vendor yep. so that's that's where i'm at on it I like it. Um, the only thing I, I disagree on is the timeline. I think we might see this hit faster with a jump stock restart and the fact that there's at least one or two tokens uh, themes in there. I was just looking at the list because I was, could have sworn there was one. And yeah. um, Commander Legends, and we still don't know what all the cards are going to be in there. This could be one of those things where it's like, okay, these... You know, Jumpstar comes back, so all the uh, commander personalities that usually uh, stream and put videos up are finally able to get their hands on that product and start building with it. And Commander Legends hits, uh, hopefully, before the holidays, and people are able to get their hands on that. Similar, Similarly, we might see this card pop up in videos, which means there could be that kind of that, that rush to it. So the I, bump, yeah. Yeah, so I, I don't... And I don't I don't disagree with anything else. I just think there is the opportunity for the timeline to be a little shorter 
and I could see, um, you know, maybe like three being the earliest this would happen because I would give basically through the holidays and t- people time to pick this this yeah. product up and be doing Christmas shopping or maybe for themselves or holiday shopping for themselves, you know, whatever. Otherwise, yes, the fair hand, hands down, uh, uh, agreed, and this just plays so well in EDH across so many different color pairings and ideas for what you want to be doing. You can play, yep. I mean, I, I guess the ultimate way to this would just be play Bant and just infinite token makers with doubling season, you know, and just go nutty. Primal Parallel lives, yeah. unbound flourishing, all the, yeah, all that yeah. stuff for sure. Yeah. yeah. And I'm, I'm honestly surprised. I was honestly surprised at how expensive it was because to me, this is still sub $10, but then at the same time, I'm surprised it's been holding for so long. So this kind of caught me off guard twice, once due to my own idiocy, which is fair. So. It it also has, you know, one of the things I like about it is it's from the same era as Smothering Tithe, yeah. which was an EDH staple that we immediately saw have value and maintain it. Mm-hmm. And I think that that's something that is a little bit more indicative of what you could see happen with Divine Visitation. Yeah. Because Smothering Tithe is rare and Divine Visitation is a mythic. So it may have a little bit higher of a ceiling on that mm-hmm. just because it is such a Timmy mythic. Yeah, yeah. The, uh, it's so interesting, too. Divine Visitation is this interesting taxing effect, just like Rhystic Study, so it fits into more themes overall. It's like, okay, I'm playing white, I might as well just, like, land tax, you know? It's just yeah. this kind of ubiquitous card that white doesn't really get a lot of. And not every white deck is going to be making tokens like this, but you yeah. can bet your bottom dollar that a lot of blue decks, or a lot of green decks, or a lot of nea deck, or sorry, bant decks, are going to be making tokens. And at that point... These are probably some of the largest tokens you can make just by making a singular token. It just poops a 4-4 if you make a 1-1. One, one. You know, that's amazing. The only time it gets worse is when you have actually hard cast Shark Typhoon and then you or Metallurgic Summonings and you have to figure out how you want to... No, I think you just get Host. I think you just get 4-4s. Four, four. But it's really good with Kratos, Behemoth. Yeah. End of story. It's still it, ends, it still ends games with the Huff. Hoof, there it is. Exactly. All right. But uh, I think with that, that's going to be it for us this week, guys. I think that's this is 103, so next week we'll mark our two-year anniversary, and we'll we'll either drink ourselves to death on the cast reviewing bad picks, if we can get all those numbers, or maybe we'll have an actual topic to discuss. Who knows? I want to do the first one. <laughs> right. <laughs> I had to tell coworkers that 9 a.m. was too early to start the other day. <laughs> <laughs> It doesn't doesn't matter what client you're working with. 9 a.m. is still too early. Yeah. But uh, on that note, you know, we are MTG Cabalcast on Twitter, Patreon, Spotify, Stitcher, uh, Apple Podcasts, Facebook. Um, I'm at Halt Iron Reptar on Twitter. We can find you at... At Thirsty Sizzler. And, you know, you don't have to subscribe or like but leave us a comment anywhere you feel like let us know what you do or don't like about the cast so we can keep improving on it and we'll see you guys next week